Welcome to episode 194 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. My name is Paul McGinty. With me, as always, are Ian Ego Sharpley and Matt Mantis Casal. Well, hello. Ian, would you like to say hello? Uh, hi. Hi, everybody. I was stunned. I wasn't sure if it was uh, taking a shot at my actual ego or if I'm... That's actually what I thought at first. I was I like, did, did I miss and, something? And then I remembered what show we're doing. It's the Guardian show tonight. It is It is Monday, May 8th, and tonight we are reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. A, a chilly Monday, May 8th. Yeah. For, yeah. for being May 8th, Ian... Yeah, it's kind of cold. It was cold this weekend. Rainy. It's been rainy. I feel like the the chilly clouds and rain are still moving out of the area. So, uh, do you guys like this weather? I have a bunch of friends on Facebook that are like, "It's the perfect season. It's perfect weather." Fuck, and I want to tell them fuck if they're them. listening. If you're listening, fuck you, you fucking fuck you, troll. You Quit fucking trolling troll. people, dude. <laughs> Seriously, that's just to make people respond to your it's beautiful weather. It was raining all day, you cocksucker. You oh. know what? If someone likes to put on put on their douchey fucking sweater and scarf and go out in 50-some degree weather and be all comfy cozy, do whatever the fuck you want, you asshole. But whenever, whenever you're like, oh, it's fucking raining, this is beautiful. No, no one likes rain. No one should like snow. You are a fucked up individual if that's the kind of weather that you like you don't like the occasional rain oh, jesus no like why like, why would you want imperfection well, why would you settle for imperfection calm down listen you're it's it's a, it, nighttime it's a very mild night but there's a gentle rain outside you open the windows that you don't like that sound no, because like it's just it's gonna be uncomfortable if I need to go anywhere. Oh, I'm sorry. Where do you need to go at like two in the morning when you're laying in bed and you just hear the sound of rain? It doesn't have to be a thunderstorm with crazy winds. Just a nice spring rain. What's wrong with that? Why can't I just have beautiful, calm summer? Because there's no sound to it. There's plenty of sounds outside. No, like I'm saying, spring, a nice spring rain at night. Teach I find that own. I find that a very soothing sound, but it's not for me. Yeah, it's not for me. I like I like summer. I like the sun. Right, you I like, like you like out. sweating. I I I think you've probably got a sweating issue. This is not the first time this has come up. What that that I sweat in the summer? Yes, I sweat in the summer. Yeah, like I don't. I'm <clears throat> less bothered by sweating in the summer than being frozen to the bone in winter. Or well, being uncomfortable, having I don't, socks being wet. I don't you know? like any extremes, right? So, yeah. like, the the most mild, the better. I love kind of later spring, and I love... I thought for sure you were going to say later, Hosen. I don't know why. And I like fall. I like the fall. But when it's, like, 90 or above outside, fuck that. When it's below freezing, unless it's Christmas time, fuck that, too. Word to that. So, you know, okay, go ahead. Oh, oh no, I'm go, sorry. go ahead. Go well, ahead. I was just going to try to kick off housekeeping with something that isn't very mild. Uh, Ian, I know you have a lot to say for housekeeping tonight. I, I really don't. I'm going to try to keep it nice and tight. Ian, is, um, is my stint on the guest room podcast part of housekeeping? We can do that. Did we touch oh, on that a little bit? Was it? 
It wasn't, was it? It wasn't. I thought we touched on that a little bit last time. Two I, episodes. Last two two episodes. Double shot of Gint underscore McSauce on the guest room podcast. So did Gint underscore McSauce record two episodes back to back? No. Or were these two separate was, uh, times that you went and recorded? We recorded one ginormous episode that needed broken into two. Mm-hmm. It was the summer movies preview. Or it was the twenty uh, twenty seventeen the 2017 yeah. preview. Starting, well, well, with, I guess we don't have to cover that topic with, here at Mixos. Starting do with we? Guardians, and, and they even, with, even uh, took away with him uh, the patented polynomial scale. Yeah. Or he just what? He, he took all the good things, the things that our fans like, and he just hustled them on over to the guest room pod that you okay. can find okay. on. Uh, you know, Libsyn, you can check out his page on Facebook. Larry Ganny, big friend of the pod. Yeah, yeah, we go back a long time, and, you know, I thought it's, well, uh, it was Larry's idea to do, to do polynomics, so we're we did. We're fucking around with you, man, we don't We care. did polynomics, I don't fucking care if you were mad. <laughs> mm. You know what, I do care now, <laughs> actually. Yeah, we had a lot of fun talking movies, uh, you know, we covered everything from Guardians, which just came out, till... The Last Jedi at uh, the so end of the year. This episode's old hat for Paul. He's he's been there. And well, done that was that. before we saw Guardians. Now we've seen it. Oh, this was that so was now, the preview. This is the review. preview. Okay, this it. is the review. So yeah, uh, check out Larry Ganny's The Guest Room Podcast at all the places that you can find podcasts. Stitcher Radio is my preferred, but you can also get it iTunes. I think he's in Google Play stories and some some different places as well. And uh, I did want to plug one thing for us. We will be appearing, the McSauce crew will be appearing at Three Rivers Comic Con May 20th through 21st uh, at the Century 3 Mall. I know you all thought that it was closed, but it is still open for business. It's a low blow, come on. I know, I know. So uh, you can go to threeriverscomiccon.com for additional information as well as ticket information free parking we're going to be guest artists there uh ron friends mark wade scott mcdaniels mark wade mark wade mark wade the mark wade the mark how wade. they do that don simpson uh and mix sauce and <laughs> not to be outshined by any of these people that actually have worked on comic books that you have read or heard of, of before so yeah um ThreeRiversComicCon.com is where you can find all the information about said Comic-Con taking place at Three Rivers Mall, May 20th through 21st. Ian, I'm looking forward to it. Are you? You excited? We haven't done... Now, I know that you've done a few conventions uh, since we as McSauce as a group have done uh, a convention, but as a group, it's been a while. It's been a while. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it has, Paul. It's been a while, and, and you know, I, I think we all had con fatigue a couple years ago when we tried to do, I believe it was 27 conventions that summer. I think so. Um, and and we got a little bit burnt out, but it's been a, a long enough time where I'm re-energized. I'm absolutely ready to do this. We've got some new buttons to give away. Uh, if you have already liked our Facebook page, you know how the the system works you like our facebook page you get a button so if you've already liked us i'm sure we can come up with some other outlandish thing for you to quote like (laughs) yeah it'll be a lot of fun i'm pretty excited so um 
Not this weekend, but next weekend. We'll be all all in, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 coming up really fast. You got another any any more housekeeping? Is no, that, is that gonna house kept, man. Let's uh let's jump into Guardians. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two was McSauce Field Trip last Thursday. Uh, have either of you seen it a second time? No, I almost went back on Friday just to check it out again, but I um, ended up not going. That? Nope. So we're all coming off uh, one viewing. Um, well, what did you guys think? Did you like it? It's pretty good. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I don't think it was as good as the first one. Um, rewatched the first one yesterday, and uh, that it still holds up. It still was fun and uh, awesome as the first time that we went to see it. This yeah. one had a few moments that kind of dragged along. I thought the plot was a little bit strange. Thought it was a sort of like a non-plot that they just went to the or or more more, um, I think more to the point. It was sort of like a plot from a Star Trek TV show. It felt like to me, and it didn't feel like a big grand blockbuster summer movie plot. If that makes you any know, sense. I was I was thinking that same thing when I whenever I was um, I was thinking back over it that there was like. There was universe-wide threat and terror in -hmm. the first one. Um, There seemed to be a real, tangible threat that everybody seemed to be a part of. The Guardians were in the center of it. You know, they had an audience of, you know, civilians when they saved the galaxy. And this one, they did. They just kind of did it, you know, very quietly, you know, um, Ego's plants were taking over all these different worlds. No one knew what was happening. All of a sudden, the plants just stopped taking over. So yeah, it had kind of an anti, a, a grand anticlimactic feel to it. But it, at the same time, that's kind of the mo of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. They're not the Avengers. They're not on. They're not making newspaper headlines. You know, they're not the big heroes that everyone knows and loves like they're the ones out there doing the dirty work making things happen in secret Mm -hmm. so it was really a very guardian style like classic comic book guardian style win for them that it was a quieter uh, galaxy save yeah i i kind of I didn't love that the Guardians were sort of split up for the entire movie as well. Some of the fun from the first movie is getting to see all these characters interact back and forth, the team coming together. And for the majority of the movie, it was kind of split apart. Um, those were things that that I didn't like. But overall, I had a really fun time. It was a very enjoyable movie. It was nice to go back to that universe and hang out with those characters again. But I don't know. It It's... I. I was a little bit underwhelmed leaving the theater. Yeah. <clears throat> Matt? Ian, I kind of agree with you that it felt kind of like a, a non-plot. Uh, it felt like an episode of Star Trek. That's That was kind of my takeaway when I first saw it. And Paul, I also agree that... Oh, wait, you didn't say this. Ian said it. But um, 
breaking apart the guardians for the majority of the movie kind of reminded me a little bit of like a, I don't know, a season of game of Thrones or something. But, um, you know, the problem with, isn't like necessarily with guardians of the galaxy. It's all the Marvel movies. They, aside from a few key plot points or characters, nothing really ever happens to these characters. There's no advancement. They're right where they were at the beginning of the movie as they are at the end of the movie. Um, and this Guardians movie is no different. The thing that's different about this versus like most of the other Marvel stuff is it's a comedy first and foremost. There is no mistaking that. Yeah. You can't argue that. It's not an adventure movie. It's not an action movie. It's a comedy. And everything else is peripheral to that. Do you think that Peter Quill's realization that he's part God isn't sort of furthering along some of his story? Not or, really, because... No, because uh, that's over now. Once yeah, it's over now. Died, yeah, yeah, that's so true. So did his powers. Yeah. Everything is resolved as if it never even happened. Um, he loses his godlike powers. That he All of a sudden, he's like, wow, I can create a, a blue ball out of uh, energy or whatever the hell that was. And that was cool for five minutes, but then it's gone by the end of the movie. Which I like because Peter Quill doesn't have space powers. He's not even part God in the comics. He's he's an alien. He's part Kree who don't have special superpowers. Right. They're just a different alien race. Mm-hmm. His dad was, um, or was it Kree or Spartax? I don't know. I think know. It, may, it might have been Spartax because the Creer Blue, Marvel I think, space guy. Spart- Spartax is, was the alien race because they're not blue. They look like humans, which allowed his dad to come down. But also, no special powers. He's just Essentially, he's just a normal guy. Um, so to give him these powers, I was like, eh, I don't, yeah, I don't I, like this because what's endearing about Peter Quill is that he is a normal guy overcoming the odds with nothing but Chris Pratt's charisma. Yeah, I didn't I didn't Which is a superpower in its own. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I didn't love it. And I'm glad that that became a non-factor by the end of the movie and basically he is the character that he was going into it because we all like that. I just don't think they advanced the character really at all. Um you know, it feel, if, if, it feels so self-contained. It feels like whatever they do in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, has, like whatever happened in 2, will have no bearing on what happened in 3. Like, seriously, what what can you say affects things? It, like, a lot of these Marvel movies, they don't feel like, like, like stories. They feel like one-offs that kind of go together. They feel like Indiana Jones movies, basically. Um, I don't know if I feel the same. maybe not quite that to yeah, that degree, that, that's but pretty but, brutal. But like comparing it to like say Lord of the Rings, where it's like this sweeping story that they want to tell, it's 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 just not as interesting as as what you can get in you know movie franchises. At least I think well, they feel very it's much the like most TV episodes version of connecting these stories that we've seen. Uh, you know, like in. A bunch of different films, a bunch of different characters. Not We're not referring to the Star Wars films where they are meant to be connected together. They are under the same banner. These are a bunch of different... They, they are one-off films, but they happen to ha- inhabit the same universe. Right. But, um, but even taking like Guardians 1 and Guardians 2, it, it, I mean, 
it feels like there's not this progressive storyline that you might get in a movie like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. Do you, so is this something that you need? It sounds like it is. Yeah, I think it is. I, I think it, it really kind of like lowers the stakes. I think it makes things a lot less interesting to me. Um, you know, it, and that's kind of a problem that I have. I, I, I was bored watching this movie during certain parts, particularly like the, the heavy CG sequences, like the opening thing, which is cute for a few minutes with Groot, you know, kind of like, uh, inadvertently dodging all of the, you know, action that's going on around him. And then the, the end sequence, I'm sorry, I was getting tired. I was getting bored. It wasn't until you get into the character moments, which there are character moments that exist that I was kind of interested and, and the humor was kind of like hit and miss. I think I thought it was a funny film, but it wasn't, it, it did pale in comparison to the first one and it didn't do anything different. It just kind of rehashed all of the steps that the first one Ian, took did, for the most part. Did you think that this Don't one think? tried to be funny, whereas the first one just kind of was funny? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but the part when I realized, I don't think I'm digging like where they're going with this in terms of the tone and everything was when they, when they introduced... I think it was, I think it was all of them. They were all in the cockpit and they were talking about how I'm going to put a turd in your pillowcase. And Drax was like, I have legendary large turds or something. And I just thought, man, this just, I'm not laughing at this. This, I don't know if it's me. I'm just jaded or something, but I didn't find that funny. I don't think that Drax was as good in this film as he was in the last film. I don't know if it was the writing or what he was, he wasn't as quite as humorous and like the things he was reacting to weren't as witty. Everything about him was a joke. Like every time he was there, it was a punchline. Like there was nothing remotely serious about that character. And I I mean, like, I don't know. And they kind of sidelined both him and rocket were to the sides the entire movie, and I, I kind of like both of those characters. Well, I didn't feel like Rocket was. Rocket had a completely separate, uh, a separate storyline going on with, uh, you know, getting imprisoned and dealing with with everyone's favorite Taser Face, which that eh. felt like a reach, right? Taser Face, mm, yeah, that's a that's a rough joke, and. But like Drax though was was part of the the Peter storyline and he was definitely relegated to like second fiddle to to particularly Star Lord and and um, Gamora Gamora and and even Nebula. Yeah. Um, but I thought Raccoon Rocket Raccoon had his due. I yeah. think I think that he was given you know it's a, a fair amount of screen time. I thought that they tried to explore a different side of um of Drax's uh literalism literal literalism literacy literosity (laughs) because he was he was doing different things and saying different things that were still like in that family of how he would think but just 
different and not as like I I thought he was funny and every time he did say something it was funny like that dude Dave Bautista can just do that laugh and I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna enjoy it I liked all the interaction with Mantis I thought that that was kind of charming because it got back to the roots of the seriousness of that character yeah like he's better whenever he's being serious but it it what he's saying is funny yeah, and I think they got away. He was just—he was just like yucking it up a lot. It was—it was a little like bit. That. It was they were trying trying something different through the entire movie. They never really, they never really gave him, uh, you know, the same. I take everything literal yeah. as, as as he did in the first movie. But still, it is that character is such a far cry from who he was in the comics, who is stone serious. He, he is he's like the fucking terminator his mission is to kill thanos and he's going to kill thanos and whatever's happening around him happens he is going to kill thanos that's it you know it's funny in because when i first got into comics one of the first big stories i ever read was the infinity gauntlet which was the first time i ever saw drax and this is way back in probably 91 something like that and uh to me, Drax was a big dummy. Yeah. He was like the the Hulk, you know, the big, strong, green dude that is dumb as shit. And yeah, Drax is muscle and, you know, just viciousness. Yeah. Well, yeah, but in, in Infinity Gauntlet, he's not portrayed as vicious. He's portrayed as like a very big, strong, dumb guy. Um, maybe a little bit comic relief but not to the degree or anything that he is in um guardians i don't mind what they do with him in guardians it's just i think they tried to do like something a little bit different than what worked in the first one it's just every time he says something it's a punchline it's never there's no especially in this one the first one i think you had some character building but in this one None. Yeah. Every time he opened his mouth, it was a fucking joke. Yeah, Dr- Drax didn't ha- didn't have an arc, but he was responsible for one of the scenes that I absolutely loved when him and Mantis are like sitting out on the balcony watching the sunset, and he's talking about his family and his wife and his daughter, and she touches his shoulder and feels that, and you know she immediately starts crying because it's so sad so emotional but then they pan in on Drax and there's nothing because like it's uh it's an outward um he's you know compartmentalized things so well that he just shuts that stuff down and like I thought that was a really touching scene because it it allows you to see what's going on behind the scenes with him even though we're beat over the head with how silly he is the entire movie yeah he's got if even though he didn't have a real character arc they let you in on the emotional depth that is capable and that that character does have were there some other things that you guys liked about I, we just spent a good chunk well, here beating the crap out of I, it but you guys beat the crap out of it i wasn't beating the crap out of it no okay. i, I beat That's it up fair. pretty good and and i said I, some negative things i think it deserves it uh i i don't think i'm well, being unfair no but but one of the things one of the things that you didn't like was that there was no there was no real character development there was there was no real you know over 
you know, there's no real extending arc between the first one and the second one. Um, and that's personal preference because you're the movie guy. I'm a TV guy. And to an extent, we're all comic book guys. So we're all familiar with you know, the suspended growth of these characters. Batman is the same character he's been forever, but you still like reading Batman comics. So is there really a big deal with um, with Drax and Peter Quill being the same guys they were in the previous movie? Yeah. Yeah. Because these are movies. These aren't comic books and these actors aren't going to, you know, live... Um, like this storyline and everything isn't going to be this ongoing thing for 70 years like Batman is. You know, it's <clears throat> it's it has a limited lifespan and... Yeah, there should be some kind of growth. Like, uh, I think the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man showed some growth with that character from where he was in the beginning. And granted, you have a really good origin to work with. But, like, look at where he was at the beginning of the first Spider-Man to by the end of the second one or even into the third one. Like, that's character growth. And that's just kind of not present in, this mo- in, in these movies. And do they have to have that? No, but... I think it's a lot less interesting when it doesn't. I'm okay. I'm okay without it. So long as I'm getting, uh, you know, so long as it's a good movie and I enjoy it, you know, Star Trek Beyond was essentially a one-off movie. Totally. And it was such a good movie. See, that's Uh, the thing. It was so enjoyable that I don't, I don't need everyone to have, you know, some big dramatic character arc. I, I think, think the Peter- little arcs that the characters did have, I think they were a lot more subtle in this movie, but the characters do grow, they learn, they take another step. Maybe it's not the larger step that you want them to see in this smaller condensed, you know, trilogy format. But I think each character probably besides Drax and Groot had actual development. I think Peter Quill did kind of find some uh, like some ease with himself, finding his his biological father, learning more about his mm-hmm. his past, uh, learning, you know, like to stop the yearning for this biological father by learning who he was and what a horrible person he was, and then and also- in the end finding out that like uh, essentially learning that um, Yondu really was his father and did nice things for Yondu him. Yondu was kind a character of like that took- grew. took care of him so like that's a small sort of revelation but i think that that changes peter quill fundamentally moving forward we'll see um i think that gamora and nebula's back and forth and and i think that that relationship grew it was one of the favorite things of this film but was the back and forth between nebula totally but but again like it gets resolved in a way that it's like she nebula goes off and, Mm -hmm. and they're still kind of at odds and you know, it's not like, hey, you know what? I don't know. Now we I can. I think it's it's a lot different because they hug at the end of the movie. I realize whereas that. I saw it. They weren't embracing at any time in the the two movies uh, in the, before. In then. the first movie, Nebula cuts off her own hand to get away from Gamora, rather than take her hand and you know. Right. And that's a, the that's a that's significant a character big. step for both of those characters. Yeah, it it definitely... And you also get Gamora coming around on Peter. So, like, I mean, Gamora had a pretty good bit of growth in this movie. Um, 
So I still think that it was like baby steps compared to what it probably should be. And at the end of the day, Nebula still left. And, you know, I think Nebula is definitely going to go and try to kill Thanos and Thanos will probably kill her in the first minute of the Infinity War movie. This is a good, this is a good point to bring this up. If that happens, I will walk out of that fucking movie. Why? I really like Nebula because I thought she was one of the better characters. Because Nebula is the only character that has any right or reason to kill Thanos. And if she's taken off the board not early Gamora? in that movie, Gamora has a not similar... as not as much as as true. Nebula but does. you said the only. So there is absolutely no emotional connection between any of the Avengers and Thanos right. other than, oh no, he's going to destroy Earth. There is... Well, he already tried to do it once and they had to, you know, risk their lives to to save the world from him But they don't once. know. He did it by proxy. You yeah, know, they don't They know don't that. even know who the, what he fucking looks like at this point. This is a guy that raised Nebula. He raised Gamora. He put his daughters at war with each other their entire adolescent life. This is a big emotional beat for both of those characters in particularly nebula because you get a sense that gamora has already moved past this she's already she already has some kind of acceptance of what's happened she's not she doesn't have the vendetta against thanos well because gamora's scars are all mental whereas nebula's scars are all they are mental and physical. Right. So, Thanos taking so Gamora her apart. doesn't have Gamora doesn't have that intense vendetta against Thanos. So if if it's not Nebula, if she doesn't have a big role to play in either of the Infinity War movies, I'm going to be so disappointed because that's a that's a story beat that I I fucking Loved it. Nebula stole this movie for me. I agree with that. She thought, was she was probably my favorite character. Her her like uh, like I went back and watched her performance in the first one, and it had so much more weight knowing all of the things that she expresses in the second movie. And just I you know I didn't know much about. I think in the first one they they kind of touch on a little bit about that Thanos has tortured her and. And all that, but in the second movie, I mean, just the way that that, um, I forget who the actress is, but the way that Karen she, Gillen. the way that she expresses and, and delivers those lines about Thanos taking her apart, it was in that weirdly mechanical, but very emotional way. It really struck a nerve with me. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was one of my favorite parts, if not my favorite part of that movie was that character and like the you know any if it's not if it's not her and Gamora and Thanos like i'm i'm just not i'm just not going to care like i'm not going to have any real emotional investment in infinity war well it's not going to be so i mean it's going to be captain america <laughs> like yeah you know? yeah and you know whatever and adam warlock well adam well no, we got to get to that adam yeah. warlock should be saved for the second I mean, one. Isn't, isn't, it, isn't it going to be the original Guardians and the new Guardians? They fight for the first half of the movie and then they team up to beat Adam Warlock in the end? Or, like, isn't that going to be the Guardians Volume 3? 
No, Adam Warlock's definitely making an appearance in one of these, infin- probably the second Infinity War movie. I don't understand. So, okay, let's get to that. Adam Warlock's appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It was during the one of the five different credit like moments where they, they stop the credits and they give you another little snippet, which I got to admit, kind of makes credits fun. I like it. Do it. The credits themselves were pretty fun. They I had thought, dude, like dancing and if it was there cool. is an award for the end credit sequences like in movies, Guardians of the Galaxy needs to win. Yeah. But anyway, they they show uh Adam Warlock as Ian, help explain this a little bit because I was kind of confused. It's what his, was the race? Like the golden the, people? What were they? I forget their name off the top of my head. But the the what they do is they um they show like the 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 hive or the the womb that he is created in. Yeah, and um I mean it's only for the people. It's a I feel like it's a super deep cut. Like I didn't get it until they said Adam, and I was like, oh, he's like kind of gold as well. Yeah, but like, what what were we looking at? It was the thing that's creating him, right? So we don't see him. No, and, we didn't see it, him. And I like it took me a minute to understand what I what it was because I thought that was him. That was literally him. That machine. Oh no, that's right. like the tomb that he's in. Right, and and I think that that was kind of cheap it was like you know what if you're gonna do that just show them for god they should have had him walk out of that thing or something right right. that would have felt more gratifying i think for i think they just don't know what he's gonna look like yet yeah they haven't cast he's really dopey looking in the comics to translate that into he looks like ms marvel but a guy no no no, not really no i think you're You're thinking thinking quasar Yeah, yeah Adam Warlock. Uh, now, Adam Warlock does kind of. I feel like he looks like Lionel, but all gold He's with all like a red. big seventies like collar kind of thing. He has like a red, like open chested. Yeah, his vest, whole right? his whole costume is red, but his skin and his hair are gold. Is go- right? Yeah, it's gold. So I mean, he would probably look just like those alien people. I but Adam Warlock is. is so integral to the Infinity Gauntlet. He is the main good guy. In that story, more than Captain America, more than Iron Man, more than Spider Man, it's him. But they're not going to do that version of the story. We already know that, so we need to drop any aspiration that that's going to be the way that it's going to happen. Well, that sucks. Um, Civil War wasn't exactly like the Civil War in the comic books. No, wasn't anything like it. Not but really. I think it was still rewarding it and a great the, film. The tone. I like the film better than I like the books. <laughs> okay you didn't no no okay. i liked the ending better because civil war had one of the worst endings ever in comic books but un- until that point it was yeah i think the comic book beats the movie agree to disagree sounds good we could do that uh what i will say about this whole character growth and development thing just my final word on it is i think this movie had quality emotional beats um, that I really cared about a lot of these characters, but that didn't necessarily translate into like big time character growth or uh, development of characters. You know, the nebulous stuff with Gamora, um, you know, uh, Rocket Raccoon, 
and and how he saw the similarities in himself with um uh Yondu and everything like there were a lot of really quality moments but i don't feel like that advanced the characters the way that like I hate to keep making coming back to like Lord of the Rings, but something like that where it feels like these characters have these defin like or or even Game of Thrones, like going into TV land. Um, you know, these characters have like massive, massive growth to their characters. Otherwise, I feel like we're kind of like looking for things to say. Well, that was kind of like growth, but no, it was more like like a very good emotional beat. But but that's different to me. I don't know. I mean, when you when you put to rest your your all your childhood feelings of doubt and worthlessness about who your biological father is, and you realize that somebody you thought was a monster all these years actually was your father figure, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's a pretty good growth moment. I think I, I think they did <clears throat> um, they did a, a fair job with with the growth. Um, not an, yeah, like I, I feel like it, it could have been pushed more. It, yeah, definitely could have. Um, um, but the thing that I want to say though, Paul, is like if you like the for the example that Ian just made that you know uh, Peter having the this revelation on you know who his quote dad really is. Um, I guess this movie it's not until the third movie that we're going to see if that pays off in terms of character growth. I kind of doubt that it will, but it, it doesn't in this movie, like, because it happens at the very end. Um, yeah, like it's that, I mean, that's, those are the beats for this, for this, that movie, but we love Peter Quill for being Peter Quill. Like, that's true. Do you want to see Peter Quill, like be a different character? Like we love, no, I'm just making the point like this movie and all the other Marvel movies do tend to not take their characters and and give us characters that change throughout the course of these movies. Uh they seem really kind of flat. Like I would say Captain America is one that that kind of changed a bit. Um you know, we'll see what happens with some of the others, but so far Guardians, no. I mean, usually you don't get that in comedies. I really like this movie. Uh, I wish they would have pulled back on a lot of the comedy. One of the things I I always tout about the first movie is that they had a really great balance of uh, the uh, the comedy and the drama. Like it, it knew what it was. It was very consistent through the entire movie. This one was a little too heavy on the comedy, and it wasn't good comedy. And I think the 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 scene that displayed the dichotomy between what kind of movie we're making the best is when Nebula's leaving the Ravager's ship and she gives this really heartfelt emotional speech about what she's going to do with her money and how she's going to use it to you know track down Gamora and track down Thanos and she's on the verge of tears at the end of that. And then Sean Gunn, the Ravager, is like, I was thinking you were going to buy a hat or something. And it just sucked all of the power out of that scene. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't funny. And like I, that was, that's the biggest problem I had with this movie. I totally agree is with that. Is that there were so many amazing, deep, emotional moments. One of the biggest being when 
Yondu is explaining to Rocket why Rocket's such a fucking asshole because Yondu's been through it. Yondu gets it. Yondu's like, because you're me. And a hell of a scene by Michael Rooker. You know, I guess, you know, Sean Gunn plays Rocket live. So, you know, he has Sean Gunn to play off of. But, you know, just delivering that that monologue to Rocket and, you know, the way they animated, you know, Rocket for that scene, it was so, so powerful. You know, like I said earlier, the Drax scene where he's talking about his family, there were a lot of real emotional scenes, but there were all also a lot of big over-the-top comedy scenes, and it kept everything from lining up perfectly like the first one did. Mm-hmm. All yeah. of the taser face stuff, cut it. Get yeah, rid taser of it. It was, was stupid. It was not good. It was like it if Rocket makes the first joke, what, your name's Taserface? It's funny, okay, but then it's a through line that doesn't need to be there. Until the very Until end. Until the very end when even the the gold people laugh that his name's Taserface. What the I'm fuck like, were those gold people called? The superior the superians? The superior? Superions? Let's let's not speculate when one will be corrected. So hold and on like one is, second. Is, there were, and there were so many there there were so many genuinely funny parts when Peter calls Rocket Trash Panda. So fucking hilarious. Uh like even though we saw it in the trailer when um you know Mantis tells Peter Quill's biggest secret. And Drax is like, Do me, do me. I love the stinger when uh Sean Gunn's Ravager shoots uh Drax in the arm with Yondu's arrow. Like I thought that was great. There was a lot of really good comedy bits in it Groot as much as I didn't want to think Groot was the most adorable thing he was really fucking funny yeah I fully expected to hate baby Groot probably before his first scene but god damn if I didn't like him in every single scene I I was absolutely won over and when the um when the pirates were were tormenting him in the cage I wanted to leap into the movie and like fight all yeah. those things um, Rocket scene in the forest when he's single-handedly setting traps and taking all those guys down. I thought that was awesome because it really shows you what yep. Rocket's capable of. Because he was, he was kind of secondary. This movie, you know, you get what where you get where they're going with the character, but he wasn't. I felt like he was just more front and center in the first one. See, I don't know if I think he was secondary. It's like, uh, you know, in Empire Strikes Back, you had Luke going and doing his story with Yoda and that was the Peter Quill story and then you had Han and Leia doing their thing. That was the rocket portion, you know? Like, I felt like it was maybe not the, like, the A storyline of the movie, but it was it was just as prominent as it really needs to be. It doesn't need to be, uh, you know, on the same path as, um, Peter Quill and the rest of the gang. What'd you guys think about, um, the big Pac-Man that Peter Quill formed? It was, it was a little much. I like the original joke where he was talking about the statue of Skeletor and Heather, Heather Locklear. Yeah. I thought that was like, funny. I'm going to make some weird shit. I, yeah, yeah, like that, the delivery of that line I love the fact great. that like all of his references are from when he was on Earth, yeah. which was in the 80s. Yeah. So it totally makes sense that he's like totally steeped in 80s stuff. I admit I laughed at the Pac-Man thing. That that actually cracked me up. I, uh, I, went, I went deep nerd on it. <laughs> Because my initial thought was, 
there's no way he's harnessed these powers that fast that he can make a fucking Pac-Man. <laughs> and like it took me back to Force Awakens when I'm like, how the fuck is Rey able to do all this stuff so soon? The gold people were the sovereign. Sovereign. Damn it, I knew it was an S. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I, I thought the Pac-Man was just a little over the top. But later in that scene, when Ego's reforming himself from a skeleton was awesome. It was fucking scary, and it was yeah. creepy, and I wish he would have been that like half-muscle, half-skeleton guy through more of the end fight. Because yeah. at some point, he's a, a big a bunch of rocks that form a face and he's talking mm-hmm. and I was like holy shit Guardians is wacky this is so crazy <laughs> yeah but then he comes out as the skeleton and then his muscles and everything's forming and it was unsettling I loved it <laughs> um Kurt Russell was also really good Kurt, it's Kurt Russell man like Kurt Russell could be every character in every movie and it would be just fine he's Kurt had Russell's a good awesome. uh, summer so far he was uh, Mr. Nobody in the Fast and the Furious mm. movie, as well as I want to start Ego. modeling my hair and beard after Kurt Russell as Ego, the yeah, living was, planet. I think you may need a cape to pull it off, but I'm not positive. He was great. He was, he was really he good. He was great. Um, so, Paul, what was your favorite part of the movie? You're like the absolute number one thing that you just keep thinking about. What was the highlight? Nebula. Nebula's arc, um, you know, the way she was on, on the outskirts the whole time when she comes after Gamora and then, you know, they finally fight to a standstill and mm-hmm. like she breaks down and they have that heart to heart in the cave. Like, I really love, I love what they did with that character and I am invested. So if, you know, Thanos kills her in the first minute of Infinity War or something like I'm going to be so disappointed. That is going to be a bummer. Do we think that Thanos is going to wipe out a lot of characters? Uh, I think from he's going to need universe? to. I think yeah. I think there's going to need to be like a big purge yeah. at the beginning just so that way you can focus on characters otherwise I don't know well, how they're going to do it. Not just to focus but to also set the threat level. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That too. That's Because important. they've been talking about this guy since 2012. I mean I just got done watching a whole bunch of the movies. I think I'm the last one that I watched was Guardian, so I'm getting close to current day. But in all these stinger scenes, I've seen Thanos a whole bunch of times, and it's like, damn, you know, they've been. Is that what these are called? Stinger scenes. Stinger scenes. Yeah, I've never heard that until you just mentioned a few times. Stinger scenes. Huh. And it's just like, wow, you know, they've been hinting at this guy for so long. They really need to have him do something besides sit in the chair and kind of threaten some people or pull up the Infinity Gauntlet and say to the didn't, screen, I'm going to do this myself. Didn't he kill somebody with just the flick of a wrist or something? No, Ronan. that was... Yeah. Was that Ronan in the yeah, first Ronan Guardians? Yeah, Ronan killed one of the Chitari, the Chitari so, spokesperson. Right. That's his official title, was the chair of Chitari. Thanos was not in Age of Ultron, is that correct? He was in the stinger scene where he... He was in the very end when it made no sense. He's like, right. I guess I'm going to have to do this myself. And he pulls out the empty gauntlet. Which is so ridiculous because there's no mention there's of no tie Ultron, to Ultron being tied to Thanos ever. 
Yeah. And it you get the sense that like Ultron was sent by Thanos to make this happen, yeah. but yeah. there's no connection. Yeah. It's and so fucking stupid. That movie is so fucking bad. If that's not 14 on your list, you're a fucking retard. <laughs> I don't think we had it 14. No, it's not 14. It's so bad. It is it is bad. One um, last thing, one last thing I really loved with this movie was Michael Rooker's Yondu. When mm-hmm. he first shows up, I was kind of like, Ugh, oh yeah, Yondu's in this again. It's funny because you were shitting on Yondu just last week. Yeah. And and by by the end of the movie, I was team Yondu. Like, Michael Rooker's... Michael Rooker not only had a great story arc as Yondu through the movie, yeah. but he brought me with him. I was out at the beginning. It was like Tom Pelfrey's Ward Meacham... In Iron Fist, just out, completely out. Yondu's way more, uh, more of a rich character. More, he's he's killed so many people on screen, and I like him way more. Yeah, that fucking polished shit. And by the by the time by the time the end of the movie rolls around, and you know they're putting stuff down at his funeral. Yeah, they took him. They took a few beats before they put the troll doll down, and I was like, "Where's the? They better put a fucking troll doll down." I was invested in his funeral. Yeah, he was yeah. so fucking good. So good. Yeah, the Ravengers funeral was was touching. I loved Do all the jokes about Stallone and his crew. From I love when Rocket was busting on his teeth the yeah. whole time. That shit was funny. <laughs> Do we know who the the Ravenger crew that Stallone has? Do we know any of those characters? Are they I don't, any? I Marvel forget Space any of their names. People? They are the original Guardians. Oh, when yeah, they first launched, they're from the Guardians comics. of the Galaxy. Okay, I didn't know who. That's they who were. the team was. Okay, um, I know them to see them, but I don't know. I I, I don't know their names, hmm. but that's who. Okay, that's the the Guardians of the Galaxy. Cool. So, Ian, I'm sorry. What was your favorite? My favorite. I have to agree with Paul. The Nebula Gamora interaction that whole yeah. uh, relationship i think was was really really awesome to see and watching the first movie again and seeing the progression mm-hmm. of that relationship was uh was a cool part of the movie and my favorite part how about yourself matt what did you like the best you mean aside from kurt russell's awesome handsomeness he was extremely handsome how do we feel about the de-aging Pretty smooth. I, I read that wasn't CGI, but I haven't read what the hell it was. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, you know, it looked a little weird to me. Um, I, at first, I thought they were just going to hide his face when they when the movie very first starts and you see him driving the car. You yeah. have the um, like the part of the wind, like the car in between the the driver's side window and the and the windshield. That what's that? Thing called. This is the frame of the car. Who knows? Frame of the no car, and it was covering his face, yeah. but you could see um, his mom's face, Peter's mom's face, and then the camera swung around, and then you totally see his face. I thought they were just going to hide him, but they didn't, and it just looked kind of weird, honestly. Yeah. I thought it was all right. Like, it, yeah, it was okay, but there's just something sort of unsettling about it. I don't know. Um, my favorite part of the movie is Yondu. I think Yondu from basically beginning all the way to his sacrifice at the end and then even the funeral and the way the Ravagers, the Ravagers, right? They show up and they have the funeral. Like everything about him was so freaking good. Like to me, his moments were the, the most emotional, even more than the Nebula and Gamora stuff. Um, 
Like even if you take the one flashback moment when Peter's having his flashbacks and it's him and Yondu like Yondu showing him how to aim a gun or something like it's real quick. Yeah. Um, Peter as a kid. And I thought that was one of the most touching scenes of the the whole movie. Like yeah, I thought that was really right. cool. And I love that Yondu, like you really realize in this one that Yondu is the reason why Peter's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. You know, why he's so cunning and, and, and talented and just a badass. Yondu. Yeah, yeah Peter's Peter's uh, eulogy when he's talking about his hero being David Hasselhoff. And then th- as he's talking, he's kind of like, well, you know, Yondu kind of was my David Hasselhoff. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really well 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 written, well delivered. It was, I, it was very touching. I loved the part when when he says, you know, I wear the same insignia that you wear. And he's talking to Stallone. And, and Stallone then has his moment. And I got to give it up. I thought he was going to be totally throwaway but and, and totally unlikable. I thought I was expecting to like hate Yondu that character, Stallone. uh, Stallone's character. Yeah. But like he was cool. And, and you got the sense that this organization the ravagers was like there's some kind of code that exists and i don't know about you but i kind of wanted to learn more about them i liked that yeah stallone was kind of regal i thought whenever he dropped in there a and, little bit yeah and him telling yondu like you're you know basically excommunicated right and, and it the and things it that you did to have to do this yeah i was like oh shit and and it it had an effect on Yondu mm-hmm. and the things that he went through throughout the film. So right. yeah, that was all, that was all really good stuff. Yeah. Yondu was probably my favorite, my favorite part. Cause I, I thought the ending where Yondu sacrifices himself for Peter. And, and I also like the part at the very end when Gamora is like, I'm going to save Peter and rocket takes her out and says, no, nah, I'm losing one friend. That's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that stuff, and and especially coming right after that ridiculously long CG sequence, I needed moments like that to really bring me back in because I was pretty much out at that point. I was like, "This is so boring." I'm sorry. It's all the interaction between the team members that I think I kind of missed that they weren't all together for the the majority of the movie. And while I, you know, I'm, I, I guess I'm nitpicking the movie to death right here, I'd still go back and I'd see a third movie in a heartbeat. If Absolutely. A third movie came out tomorrow. These I movies, would be in, in line at midnight to see it. These again. movies are fun. wildly enjoyable. I just, I, I think because I see so much potential in them, I want them to be even more than they yeah. are because these are not superhero movies. These aren't your Captain America, Iron Man. These are different. These yeah. are, these are like I, I compared it in the last episode. They're more Star Wars than superhero. They're more Indiana Jones than superhero. And it's like you combine Star Wars and Indiana Jones into this thing. That's a great combination. And um, the world and the the galaxy, if you will, Paul, that they've built is so fun. And I don't want it to feel like a fucking TV episode. It does. It shouldn't yeah. be that. It's too big for that. Yeah. But it kind of did. It kind of like you guys made the comparison, sort of like the last Star Trek movie. Yeah, it was, and that wasn't good. It should feel more like grand, like it should be. Because I loved Star Trek Beyond. I know you did more than 
the other two. That I was just were, saying, it felt like a Star Trek TV show. It felt like an episode of yeah. the original 60s Star Trek totally. show where they yeah. get beamed not, out to yeah, a planet. I, not, and, I understand what you're talking about, about you need more growth and you know this wasn't exactly what you wanted, but you know, that's your personal preference. It's what you're looking for from a movie. This gave me ideally everything I was looking for. Except it was a little uneven balancing the drama and the comedy. What was the worst joke in the movie? Uh, uh, worst joke in the movie, Jesus. Uh, it was probably, probably the taser face stuff for me. Either the taser face stuff or Sean Gunn, his, or I thought you'd buy a hat and make all the other girls jealous. Like it was was just so. It was so fucking stupid. I thought the legendary large turds mm. joke at the beginning, which which was really unfortunate because that sets the pace, that sets the tone right there, and it's just like, oh, really? Th- is this what we're gonna do? Really? Well, yeah, but the yeah, hmm. it's just a bad joke to start with, and it and it just kind of turned me off right from the jump. Yeah. Do we? I don't have a particular. There wasn't worst one that joke. stuck. Nothing. Because I think there was no. a few that were kind of weak. Yeah, nothing really sticks out to me. Um, why don't we go around and do our final grades for Guardians Ball? What's what's your grade? Um, I'm gonna give it an eight. Eight? Yeah. I uh, I, I want to give it a seven, but I feel I I feel like it's it's better than that. I I liked it. Um, I'd like to see it again. Like I said, I I was all real close to going back and seeing it on Friday. I go so. I go I go see it again. I yeah. I really like those characters. I like the way they work together. Um, as much as I was a big baby at times and stomping my feet that they didn't do the Guardians from the comics. They're doing they're doing Guardians well. They're doing a different version of them. Than they're doing in the comics, but the Bendis Guardians from the comics are terrible. But uh, uh, what's the director's name? Gunn. What's his name? Uh, you said Sean Gunn. It's James Gunn. James right? Gunn. Yeah, yeah, James Gunn's Guardians are. Uh, I think they are doing um, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning's Guardians justice. So I give it an eight. Pretty happy with it. Ian, why don't you go next? I give it a seven. I thought it was a fun movie. While it didn't hit the great heights that the first one hit, I think that it still was enjoyable. I don't think it did a disservice. There were a lot of parts that I really didn't enjoy, and I'd absolutely go back to not only see this movie again, but I'd go see a third and fourth installment of Guardians. I think that Marvel does have something special with this universe. I think they took a slight misstep with you know plot and things like that, but... This movie still by itself, when we watch it a year from now, I think there's still stuff that we're going to hold on to and think are pretty great moments. Yeah, you know, this is a really hard one for me to grade because I think individually this movie probably has higher highs when it comes to individual character moments Mm -hmm. than the first one. At the same time, I think it's less funny and I think the quality of the jokes is less than what it was in the first movie. So, like, it's got some good, some bad um, but th- what I have to say, and I think this is going to affect my final grade because I don't even know what it is as I'm talking. Uh, there were moments in this movie where I was so bored yeah, because I was just so fatigued with over the top action that was nothing but CGI the whole time. 
and and it felt like that it you know like it wasn't just cgi it was like cgi core of the planet destruction which gets really super duper muddled right right and it and it's just like it kind of reminded me a little bit of like a michael bay transformers action sequence where it's just so much like visual input to the point where it's like you don't have like a focal point or anything and it and it's sort of like just zaps the the drama out of the the moment because it's just like this over the top craziness for so long and it it put me in these states of complete boredom so with that said i gotta give it a six and it kind of sucks that i'm giving it final grades and I, i feel bad that i'm giving it a six because it did have a lot of stuff that i liked but man when a movie can bore me for part for extended periods like this one did I can't do better than a six. There was nothing that was outrageously terrible. And Agreed. that's, for me, a six is reserved for something like Amazing Spider-Man 2, which had really high highs, really low lows, very uneven in tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's where that fits for you. I don't yeah, think it was actually, as uneven, but I can see what you're saying. Um, Yeah, maybe not quite as uneven, but it, right in that ballpark. Right in that six ballpark. The ballpark of six. I wish I could give it a seven, but I, and maybe I will upon like further viewings, but today it's a, it's a six. Well, maybe we ought to make plans to go back and check out Guardians. And that would be a time. special thing because what we learned last week, Paul does not see Marvel movies more than once. Uh, funny. Um, mm. Justin came in for McSauce field trip and whenever we got back, we watched a good chunk of Iron Man 3. And yeah, I like way Iron Man 3 yourself. way better than Iron Man 2. <laughs> you do? Oh, yeah, you're, absolutely. Uh, you're a maniac. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Yeah, I, I thought, as I was watching it, I thought so myself. Is, what do you like about Iron Man 3? <laughs> That's a fucking terrible movie, I think I, I just, I, I liked, uh, I really got a piece, so I don't want to get into this, but there are more things I didn't like in Iron Man 2 than Iron Man 3. I think that you need to watch Iron Man 2 again. I really do, because Iron Man 3 is a bad movie. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, we all all gave bad movies a good grade at some point on this podcast. It's happened. Now... True that. As much as I would like to rewatch this movie, because, you know, maybe I was just tired. Maybe that's why I was bored. I'm more excited to see, based on trailer that was attached to this movie Wonder Woman's coming out and that's the next big one that we're going to go see holy crap does that look good looks really good it It looks looks better every time I see it hold on hold on to that pull quote folks until uh, after what June 2nd it comes out June 2nd yeah we're gonna we're gonna revisit uh, Matt's statement that you're excited and it looks better every time you see a trailer and and real quick who Paul, resident DC expert, is Doctor Poison a thing? Is that a DC villain? Because that's the villainess in Wonder Woman. No. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll have to. I'll dig out the old DC encyclopedia whenever we get upstairs. Fact checkers, get on that. Yeah. Doctor Poison, real or not? Doctor Poison. I don't even know who that is. Doctor Poison. It may, it's the bad guy. It's it the woman with like those, the mask that's like yeah, yeah. face mask. It may be one of those real deep cut. Yeah. Deep cut things, but 
Yeah, I, to the best of my knowledge, Dr. Poison is not a vision. Or a villain. A vision. A villain. That's going to do it for us tonight. That's easy my for name you is, to say. Yeah, my name is Paul McGinty. And Sharpley. Matt Casal. We'll see you next time. Ninety-four.